Luke. Ben? Ben, is that you? Ben, he's here. Darth Vader, the man who killed my father, who killed you. I have to face him. I have to end this. Luke, listen to me carefully. Run. You hold that weapon like an untrained child. You have no right to it. You, boy, are no Jedi. Who are you? You killed my father. I've killed very many fathers. You'll have to be more specific. Ah! Oh! This is most pathetic. You are not worth the seconds it would take to finish you. Who sent you here to die like this? I was there on the Death Star. I saw what you did to him. You killed Master Kenobi. And now I'm here to make sure you... No! So, Obi-Wan Kenobi gave you this lightsaber. A shame he did not teach you how to wield it. He never did make for much of a master. How did you... The Force will never be with you, boy. Your master has fallen. What hope of you? If you wish to live, you will tell me all you know of the Rebellion, including the nature of this attack. And then you will lead me to the rebel pilot who destroyed the Death Star and watch as I strike him down. Speak quickly or join your father. I'd rather die than yield to you. So be it. Welcome back to Arc Troopers Unite, the podcast that reads Star Wars comics arc by arc. I'm your host, Xavier, and as always, I'm joined by my brothers. I'm Zachary. I'm Gabe. Welcome back, brothers. For this week, we started our foray into the modern Marvel Comics run, starting with 2015's Star Wars 1 through 6. So I think we're going to have to do a little bit of housekeeping in terms of the naming scheme for Star Wars comics. Obviously, the flagship series is often just going to be called Star Wars, but we're going to have to append the year that the series began to keep track of which series we're talking about. So if we're talking about the original Marvel run, we'll call it Star Wars 1977. Sure. We're talking about this one. It's Star Wars 2015. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, very very similar to like game game remasters or game re-releases or whatnot. Yeah, the difference yeah. is that a product like that comes out at a date on a year, whereas comic series can continue across multiple mm. years. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could have Star Wars 2015 and it keeps coming out like until 2017, 2018 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And since we're talking about the timing, this is uh, the first series coming out immediately upon Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm. The rights for Star Wars go back to Marvel, which, of course, is a subsidiary of uh, Disney at this point. And we actually begin in January 2015. The Force Awakens isn't going to come out until December, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we have a whole year of Star Wars comics coming out before we even have any new movies coming out. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Good way to do that. Well, if we want to talk about covers. Yeah. As so- we start. This cover arc, one, I mean, yeah, quite honestly, I was generally disappointed in the covers. I didn't like them that much, except for like two. I like two, and the rest of them, I, I didn't really make too many impressions on me. 
Yeah, issue one, I think, is going for being like that iconic Star Wars ish, uh, issue one thing, like a kind of redox almost of the original one. You get the Darth Vader helmet silhouette in the background yeah. behind everybody, and it's kind of a symmetrical um, collage-esque design. Yeah. Yeah, it's got all the major beats. I feel like the white isn't great background color for the, the style of covers because it makes it look very empty like the the classic uh backdrop of the darkness of space with stars uh, speckling across it fills the space a lot better and so this one feels a little bit empty and i mean my first impression was oh, we got kind of all of the main bases covered but it feels a little bit empty and this is the like 2015 ish like the 2010s style of comics that never really are artistically I've loved that I've not uh, loved uh, historically. So I went in going, eh, but I like some of the later uh, covers that we get through this. And I think right off the bat, actually my feelings about the art turned around pretty quickly with the direction that we're going, because I opened yeah. it up I'm like, okay, cool. Classic star Wars opening star Wars, Skywalker strikes Darth Vader. Okay. And a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Nice. And then, double page spread star wars i could hear the horns in my head oh i i was so elated i turned that page and i went oh that's exactly how it should be yeah exactly so they begin whenever they begin a new ongoing series they are going to give you the double page splash title splash and then the going into the title crawl that's yeah, something just, that they established so right. right off the bat with this series and I, you know, I did some research on this a while ago. They don't take the page count out of what you're buying. So mm, they, they, oh, they sacrifice ad pages in order to do that, which is really cool. That's pretty sick. Yeah, and this time, instead of a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away being the back cover of the comic, this time it's the first page as you open it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's look at cover two, eh? He is menacing. Yes, uh, I like this a lot. This one, this one definitely stands out. I love I love Han Solo saying shush. He's like, you know, we gotta keep quiet. <laughs> right. So this is the cover where there's a piece of debris. Han and Chewbacca are in the foreground, hiding in its shadow. Darth Vader's right above them, looking down. And behind are legions of stormtroopers and walkers. Yeah, it's a that great cover. Solid and fitting for that issue as well. Yeah. Again, very symmetrical design. I I really like that one. It's fun. No, actually, actually, I just uh, I felt differently than Gabe on comics are on the covers. Three, I think, is great framing, but the perspective on Luke's face, I think, is uh, ended up wonky. His yeah, face is way too close. I don't like three much at all. With Luke on the speeder bike, there's kind of like a swirling uh, vortex of of wind debris. Look at the um, stormtrooper storm flying around him. <laughs> Look at the stormtrooper in the top left. Yeah, the little helmet. <laughs> oh, yeah, it kind of mushed on him. But again, like, that's not uh, going to be very noticeable, actually, because it's going to be covered up by logos and... and yeah. Um, oh, that's true. You're right. Long, so I feel like this one could have really hit if uh, just some, some details. I think uh, composition-wise, it's right on. I think that's great. Right. Um, it does really bring the, the focus to Luke. Yeah, Luke's head being too close, like his neck is really craning, I guess and uh the stormtroopers being pretty clean and just getting like cartoonishly blasted away 
I, I think it's like a little too clean and uh, like friendly of appearance. Like these guys are getting blasted apart. Like a little more detailing on them would make it feel a little yep. less like they're just like arms sprawled in all directions flying in the air. Especially right when you when you open to the first page of this issue, you're met with people getting just like shot right through. And it's. Yeah, people have been enslaved or just getting gunned down. Right. Yeah. Like it's it's, it's like, kind of tonally. Like how could we. Why, why aren't we doing that for the, the, the cover when it's like first page is. Right. Yeah, which is yeah. I, I imagine it's marketing reasons we wanted to keep it kind of soft for you know you want kids to pick this up and their parents to buy it for them at the sure. coffee shop, uh, which is understandable, but right leaves a little something to be desired that way. His face kind of killed me when I saw it. Though. It's just a little odd. Yeah, didn't quite nail it, but which is kind of how I feel on uh, cover four with Darth Vader's helmet details being a little yeah. strange, but composition wise, again, it's, I it's am, really it's top tier. Yeah, we're no, I do think, at, I think four, yeah, composition-wise is crazy. We're looking at the binary sunset, Luke looking off in the distance. He's in the foreground. We see his back in shadow, and in front of him are the twin sons of Tatooine and sort of a spectral Vader uh, standing uh, titanically. <laughs> yeah, looming. Yeah. Looming, exactly. It's a really nice cover. I like the colors, the uh, magentas, and the sort of indigo. Yeah. No, this one is great. I'm a sucker for a Once sunset. Once again, binary sunset, iconic for a reason. Five, cover five. Uh, this one is, it's got some things I like, but it's got some things I do not like. I actually really vibe with this one. It's got the TIE fighter in the background. Interestingly, you know, it's got that hyperspace thing going on as well. Yeah. And I love the, I actually really like the representations of the main three cast. Luke, yeah. Han, Leia. I think they, they all look, look better. Cool than yeah. the previous covers i think yeah. i love i love luke i love the luke stance i think that the the, the han hand is in a weird place but okay that's um, all right but it implies that he's right. right-handed his, which i don't think he is his hand is also way closer to the viewer it, that's what i was is. thinking is that yeah his hand his perspective is weird out. yeah mm, um yeah. and it, it fills it fills the space like I, I see why they did it it fills the space that it needed to to get rid of that yeah. space because if you had it where you'd naturally hold it it would be awkward i, I think it, it works is. as a comic book cover i think it's perfectly fine i think if you're looking into it a lot like the way we currently are i think it's a bit <laughs> weird, but it's fine like it's not it's good uh, i like it all and here's a quick aside um oh i was looking at luke's outfit through the earlier mm-hmm. comics he, he, he's gonna wear this one throughout this comic he's got uh basically a black crew neck t-shirt a tan like desert colored cloak okay uh, long sleeves a big hood that he's not wearing and a goes you know down leg length and like brown like leather pants with these little Corellian uh, Corellian pants yes like yes it's Corellian style with the little red. the yeah. little blocks going down uh the hem on the outside on the left and right yeah uh, which are pretty cool nice style and he's got a, a nice big thick belt with a bigger buckle and that's where I'm going uh I I did a little moderate deep dive onto like the fashion of belts yeah and uh in in this style like the the big thing on belts is which like school of fashion you're going for and this is very western and i realize that this whole outfit really is very western so the big you know big belt bigger buckle is very important to tie together a western outfit and kind of give you the genre for the fit and it makes a lot of sense he's got a cloak for the desert sands he's going to be out on the desert a lot so it's kind of like uh, the fistful of dollars poncho that clint eastwood has yeah yeah 
and this kind of gives gets back to some of our star wars roots with yeah. pastiche yeah it's great yeah good call and then finally issue six we see luke through the crosshairs of, oh yeah into the crosshairs of somebody's um somebody's gun somebody somebody um, and that brings us to speed. Yeah, I, I actually really vibe with the issue five cover out of these and four with the um, really? big spectral Darth Vader. I think I think two and yeah, four are definitely my favorites. The composition really hits, I think, on all of them for me. Yeah, totally. They're pretty solid. I think that, you know, if you had somebody who wasn't all, basically all of these covers were illustrated by the same illustrators who did all of the work inside the books so it gives uh -huh. us a cohesive tie to the work inside the books it also means they probably don't have all the time in the Especially. world to complete them yeah but considering uh -huh. that they're, they're very strong so you were asking why is it called skywalker strikes yes this first arc is six issues i don't know skywalker he's yeah, striking okay. he's always striking yeah, i guess he kind of strikes or yeah. a skywalker is always striking and that's fair yeah but this one, this one is focused, I feel like, right off the bat on this first cover. We see Luke right at the forefront. We see Vader in the back. And this is, it seems like the most important plot line going on here is Luke and Vader, right? Our, our main subplot is Vader sending bounty hunters after Luke in order to get him so that he can bring him onto the dark side so he can be his apprentice. Sure. Uh, and Luke, of course, is trying oh. to figure out who he is Yeah. Uh, on the other side. Uh, th that's what Darth Vader says when he uh, begins this whole thing with his yeah. uh, first uh, real appearance. Uh, when he has any motivations, he says hmm, there's like a lot of power. On, uh, I don't. I don't think it's his I, initial idea. But then side. once once Luke gets away a few once times, he's like, "Oh, yeah. I this guy's actually powerful." And yeah. he's at first he's, he just wants to put down the guy who destroyed the Death Star. Yeah. Understandable. And then, and yeah. then, yeah. Once he realizes that Ben trained him and that he's like the last hope for the Jedi, he's like, "Okay, this kid must be powerful." I'll I'll take him for myself. I got it here. When I find him, and I will find him, he will be my weapon, not yours. Uh, saying this to Obi-Wan. The yeah. dark side always wins, Obi-Wan. You should know that by now. Yeah. So that's his motivation beyond comic two. Right. Um, but yeah, so comic one. We open with the classic Star Wars underneath a ship out in space. Great. Right, and what kind of ship is it? It looks like Jabba's sailboat. It's a, yeah, it's like a Tatooine. They fly now. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is it like? Speeder <laughs> space fair now. <laughs> what space barge? I guess a speeder barge is yeah. what it was in episode sail six. Sail barge. It's got sail sails barge on top, so it's a sail barge. But oh, we're using yes, the same yes, design language, riffing on it. We're making a transport ship. Yeah, and it's going to this industrial planet. Yeah, we're going Simon One. Yeah, uh, which is what the largest weapons manufacturer in the Empire. It says it's in the Corellian industrial sector, but as far as I can tell, there's no canon material saying that explaining its connection to Corellia. I'm not sure. Sure, I I, I, I took it as that it's um, on the planet. There is a Corellian sector, kind of like a slum kind of yeah. thing. And it's there. That's that. That's how they, I they say. It. They say cluster, and I think cluster is like uh, a star cluster, right? Uh, typically, yeah. Corellian so, industrial cluster. Maybe Sorry, the implication okay. is that like so it's, it's 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 operated through the aegis of Corellian Engineering Corporation or something like that. Oh, I, I guess I was figuring it was like geographic. Is that it's like what Corellia is like not inner galaxy, but like close. 
I feel like I should know more about Corellia, but I don't it's know. It's either in the core or the mid-rim. I, I definitely think Corellia is near lots of inhabited stuff, and therefore what I drew from this was it's, you know, kind of core to the Empire, not the core of the Empire. Yeah. Where uh, Palpatine's doing freaky-deaky stuff. But <laughs> uh, where, where most of the Empire actually is... Uh, Right, um, but, but uh, the, the people in this ship, we presume from what this officer says, to be some bandits and smugglers. The doors on this funny ship are really tall and right on the front. Not what I expected. I, I kind of stared at that <laughs> thing for a bit. I went, huh. <laughs> they just open sideways like shutters. Yeah, they're fascinating. Wait, and the bridge is just like above that. It's just like a, 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 yeah. a little um, I don't know, like a little patio. Strange boat. Yeah, wacky little ship. Agadine, whom do I have the honor of addressing? Uh, and then we get Han as the negotiator with two guards. And we already know that trick. I guess they must have pulled it off a while before episode six, which is also kind of funny. Yeah, it's the identical guard uniform to what Lando <laughs> was wearing in episode six. But we do get this kind of reveal Han not in disguise at all. Posing yeah. yeah which I'm surprised about because you'd think that somebody would have talked about how the Millennium Falcon shows up to destroy the Death Star, but I guess not. Yeah. I guess nobody, maybe maybe we were just in such disarray after the Death Star blew up that nobody thought about it. To be fair, like, almost everyone died there except this is for true. the Rebels. Yeah, except, I mean, I mean Darth, Darth Vader, Vader didn't, but I don't Darth know if he's Vader doing would've... a lot of talking about this situation. Well, they're not flying in on the Millennium Falcon. No, no, what, yeah, but I'm saying that the Millennium Falcon shows up. Yeah, but it's hidden. So, so Gabe is presuming that Darth Vader got shot down by the Millennium Falcon, went, what's up with that freighter that shot me down? Looked up its codes, looked up that... Han Solo is the pilot and then put a bounty on him would be the possibility. Evidently, that didn't happen since since everyone doesn't know about Han Solo. But also, at that point, I don't know, Darth Vader probably didn't get the license plate uh, on that. (laughs) He's he's, he's floating aimlessly, I think is pretty reasonable to say. And there's no way it's you you can actually track Han Solo down from knowing that it's a YT-300. So we've got a Wookiee on the roof with a sniper rifle. They don't know that Han Solo is a rebel, and he's negotiating supposedly on behalf of Jabba the Hutt, because that is verifiable that he has a history working with Jabba. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so what is Jabba providing? I guess it's just, like, raw materials? Raw materials, yeah. It seems like what's happening is that the rebel is taking out other raw materials uh, distributors, and uh, the Empire needs to get raw materials from other places. So they've been resorting to hiring from uh, shipment. It seems like more like they're eminent domaining. They're showing up to a planet uh, to the local warlord and saying, you're sending us a tithe and we will not take away the planet from you. Pretty uh, much. And yeah. the warlords say, okay, I will send you truckloads of extra metal. And Vader goes, yes. Yep. Right. Then, um, yeah. So they're in the process of sending... Uh, of having Jabba send a negotiator so they can say, Jabba, you're giving us raw shipments of goods now. Uh, what did you guys think about the design of Simon 1 as a place? Um, hmm. uh, I, I like what's got going on. It feels, it feels apt. It, it reminds me a lot of uh, Braca from Fallen Order. Oh, the planet where they're breaking down all of the old Clone Wars hulks. Yeah. Just a very industrial world where you just have tons of blue-collar workers just working away my reference point was also a video game i was thinking of the train level in shadows Uh, of the empire where you're hopping between trains but it's this junk planet i guess it's on ord mantel yeah it's ord mantel for sure and all of the debris everywhere and like industrial rust and stuff kind of reminds me of that but it does have this sort of 
Imperial, uh, a little bit of the prequels vibe with the the uh, sort of like Coruscant rounded spires. Yeah. For like the the places where the factory is. Yeah. Um, as well. The rest of the planet seems kind of flat. Other outside of that. Yeah. Area. Yeah. And just piled with debris. Yeah. Or factory lines. Yeah, it's like interesting. Like, why would the entire planet be covered in in debris? I guess you're right. They're just like dumping all of the waste material from industrial fabrication right there. Yeah. I guess that is historically. It does what seem like a lot with, of raw material for like these. iron uh, with with um, steel mills and steel foundries in um, like the Rust Belt of the U.S. Like you have big areas uh, around former or even current steel mills in in and around Chicago, Cleveland, etc. That are just there's just slag. Yeah, industrial uh-huh. slag just left there. So I guess extend that concept uh, to a mega gargantuan yeah. maybe. Uh, we see uh, Chewbacca is on Overwatch, um, and uh, we see that the guards are in on something. Sure, this makes sense. Yeah, everybody's got a role here. I kind of like that. So you know, this yeah. is kind of a heist plan, and all of the rebels on the team have a have a role. Three PO is explaining to us while yeah, while being through them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, through them. <laughs> I like the three PO. Shut up. <laughs> Will you shut up, man? <laughs> and he says, "I have a very That's good very feeling good about feeling this, about which this. is fascinating. What, what, <laughs> what does that portent in this world? <laughs> that things won't work, I guess, because if they have a bad feeling, they generally scrape, scrape through. They seem to win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we see that they build. They're building Tie Fighters here. Neat. It's a weapons factory, so yeah, sounds Makes about sense. right. We could see the assembly line here. Uh." R2 actually turns out to be the negotiator here. Uh, he d- dumps some liquid, zaps the stormtroopers. It turns out the guards were actually Luke and Leia, and now they do a little bit of quick interrogation, once again, thanks to R2. I get the <laughs> location. I do. I love how we, we go from guard outfits, we switch. Everybody's in their iconic outfits now. Yeah, I, oh, I don't know yeah. why they even bother taking, bother having their, like, personal outfits on their outfits. Yeah, hard but, but I, why not, I suppose. Fans. Yeah, that's pretty funny. We find out that the Millennium Falcon is here as their escape option. They're leaving that old truck <laughs> that they came in that they'd stolen previously from the actual transporters. So C-3PO's there with it. That's their escape plan. Good to know. And they actually get it to the central power station. They're looking to rig this thing with explosives, take down the whole factory. This is their strike at the Emperor. And then Luke gets called away by the Force. And he uh, finds cages of slaves. Yeah, I enjoyed right before that, there's a panel where the rebels are bracketing a doorway and taking, yeah. uh, sort of doing some stealth. It's kind of a fun. It, it's very reminiscent of like Obi-Wan in the, uh, in the Death Star. Right. Yeah. I love like, it looks like Luke and Han are like making a visual contact and, and sort of like gesturing to each other with their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what is with this yellow jacket that Luke has? Because I've seen it depicted, but I don't remember exactly what film it's from. Five. Okay. What is he it's wearing? Iconic, iconic it's five. It's, it's, it's his outfit when he goes to Cloud City. Okay, got it. I'm almost certain. I might be wrong, but I, I, I feel pretty confident in this That's one. That's right. Um, oh, looks like he accepts the awards at the end of A New Hope in it. Whoa, okay. Huh. Oh, that's what it's from. Okay. Okay. 
That makes sense. I, don't, I mean, it might come up other times, but he definitely has it there. I've seen it a lot. I mean, it's a whole ass uh, alternate outfit in Belfort too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very clean. Got his dress uniform. It's a cool really jacket. More cases of it. It's very Star Wars with those little um sort of like padded ridges on the shoulders. I yeah, love it's great ridges. Those those should get made on more things. They right. add, they add a lot of texture to the uh, the look. Yeah, actually, I see those on like '80s biker jackets, stuff like like Japanese yeah. biker jackets, like Yamaha. Yeah. yeah, totally. Oh, not not very American though, and it does go back some decades. Um, the slaver uh, is like, yo, don't load those slaves out, and then Luke just cuts that dude's hand off. That's real Star no, Wars shit. Well, he's yeah. not going to reach for his blaster. Instead, he's got a fucking... Uh, <laughs> I love, the, I love his face. I won't there. reach for my blaster. That's the face <laughs> of a man who's about to cut an arm off. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> do it again. Yeah, it definitely has the uh, no man will smite me down vibe. It's like, well, I'm <laughs> technically not a man. I'm a woman. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I like this. He does it successfully. He says, follow me. Over this slaver, the slave master, nursing his recent, recently made stub. That's kind uh, of we do have like a big red over him. Yeah, it's it's, it's gruesome. Yes, he, he has done a, a light side thing here, freeing the slaves. But we've got this red background behind him. He's kind of uh, facing away from the shadow, like a little shadow overcast on his face, and he has yeah. just named a man, which. I, I think just a little like I, it doesn't like mean anything on its own, but I feel like it's a little tone setting for the whole. Well, sure. I mean, we're going to set up for the Luke is tempted to the dark side thing throughout this series, clearly, uh, which is important in Empire Strikes Back. And I think that's great anytime that we add more to that, because I know I've said it here before. I'm not a fan of I feel unconvinced by that storyline in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean if, uh, to me, it feels very similar to like that. We needed a lot of context, like through the Clone Wars or whatever, to make Anakin's turn to the dark side feel yeah. plausible. Yeah, the movies just didn't have um, enough time to devote to our main characters turning evil. Yeah. And that's how it goes. So I'm happy that we get more context. It's great. Yeah. Love it. It's where this scene, if this was animated, this would be a scene where they would add the like uh, dark side kind of theme vibes. Oh, yeah. So we've successfully planted bombs. Luke shows up with a bunch of people with him, these slaves. And fascinatingly, I think this is a little out of character. He says, I found a few more passengers. And Han says, a few. And <laughs> Leia says, slaves, Luke. They're coming with us, Leia. And then Han says, sure, the more the merrier, kid. All right, guys, it's time. Like, he has no objections to this. He just, how many people are there? That's like... I, I think, think two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. I think Han's 15, thinking 16, we 17, just 18, need 19, to get 20, going, whatever, right now. That's I, I fair. Think... I know that in the the Legends continuity, like slavery is very much a bugbear for Han, even though he was. I don't think he was, maybe he was technically a slave in that. Um, well, whatever. Mm. That's definitely a bugbear for him. He is he is ready to smoke any any slavers he ever finds. Sick. Okay. okay. But I don't know. So for me, that uh, reads without context. That reads like, yeah, yeah, Han would definitely be, yeah, be ready to do that. But sure. I don't know. I think coming off of like coming off of a New Hope, Han, it seems it seems not quite on um, right. Like I don't think he's like a bad guy for sure, but he's not like dedicated to the light side at this point. Sure. Which will definitely come just, up think, in their conversations. I think it's not a lot. Space. That thing's got space. The freighter. 
Oh, that's fair. Yeah, I guess that room also makes me a little unsure of how many people because we see like 20 people depicted here less in the cage and we see a lot of people spoiler alert dying later on. So I have no idea how many people were uh, getting around. I I think it's just unclear. And that's just how it is. Yeah. Just of note, I'm not I'm not against it or anything. Yeah. So the negotiator has arrived. Great page. Yes. (laughs) Game changer. (laughs) I love I love how he's the negotiator. Like, oh, oh, shit. (laughs) Yes, it's Darth Vader. I yes. love it. And this raises the question. What does negotiating with Vader look like? Right? You go, what? He is not the guy I would have negotiating. And I love when we get to explore that. But I love, and you think about it though, later, he also is the one who negotiates episode five, right? Yeah. He's the one who comes to negotiate with. Yeah, he's good rebels. at making the deal get worse all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> there's Vader in there what are you gonna do try and stop him no you just give yeah. him what he wants yeah exactly yeah. it's great I do uh, and this that. sets up I think something that's gonna be a through line for this series of comics yeah. which is Leia's motivations and I really like the motivations they set up with Leia one that she's really mission motivated she wants to strike back at the Empire and she has she's constantly coming up with ideas for how to do that the other thing is that she sees Vader as a key figure and she's constantly trying to assassinate him. Yeah, uh, yeah. which is correct. So yeah, the because moment we, we, that Chewbacca flags up, Vader's on the landing platform. Han yeah. says, okay, do not in any way, shape, or form engage that. We need to get out and make the plan, you know, uh, yeah. execute the plan. We need to escape. Leia says, Leia says, oh, take that shot. This mission doesn't matter compared to taking out Darth Vader. This is an amazing opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, the scale of blowing up this weapons factory versus killing one man. I love I love Chewbacca being down with that shit. He's like, all right, guess we, we might just die here, but uh, kill Vader, sure. And he yeah, I guess Chewie is also pretty mission motivated. He, seem, he takes orders well, I think. He complains throughout like, all yeah. media with him, but he does take orders. Yeah, he's a team player. Uh, greetings, Lord Vader. All is made ready. It better be. <laughs> Let me show you. Because I have to wait. I sense, and then my bam. spidey senses. Yeah, his spidey senses. <laughs> yeah. And th- so, not only does he deflect the shots that Chewie sends at him, but then he blocks the rest of this hail of bullets with his stormtroopers. Yeah. <laughs> he just puts them in the line of fire with the force. They're riddled with bullet holes, and he still stands. Right. I love all the way he stands to. He put his lightsaber away after this. Like, he, he turned on his lightsaber to deflect. He turns off his lightsaber, uses stormtroopers to, to uh, as shields, and then stands menacingly. Very <laughs> impressive. He's like, uh-huh, what are you going to do, bud? And Chewie goes to take the shot again. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to keep shooting. Yeah. But Darth Vader brings down the whole structure that uh, Chewie was standing atop. He jumps down hopefully yeah. to safety at this point uh oh yeah and vader says to send someone to go get him and he says it's a rebel attack and i mean he has seen chewbacca previously in a new hope right or yes cadaverly just sneak behind the, his... uh, across the hangar bay like we do yeah. Yeah. yeah so he he may he may not have seen him then since uh obi-wan had his attention and that was the whole point of obi-wan dueling him there is to keep his attention away from chewie and the rest getting into the millennium falcon yeah and then uh vader is immediately like rebel attack uh Let's get this shit. And then he he feels that Luke is here. 
He said, he's here, the rebel pilot who destroyed the Death Star. He can feel his presence. So we set up the next couple of plot points. C-3PO is losing control of the situation at the Falcon as uh, indigenous creatures are taking apart the Falcon from without. Han tells him to use the blaster in the cockpit. And, I uh, love that. What is, what is C-3PO going to do with a blaster? He's not I sure. Love, I love what happens after this. I love all of the C-3PO stuff after this. It's really funny. This panel where he says there's a blaster in the cockpit. Do whatever you have to do. 3PO? And then 3PO just looking at a gun. Oh, yes. oh, oh dear. dear. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Does C-3PO have what it takes to kill? <laughs> yeah. Three, is C-3PO going to go start gunning down scavengers? Little, little tentacle dudes. Meanwhile, Luke... Uh, mean, meanwhile, the rebels happen upon the Imperial Walker assembly line and commandeer an AT-AT walker. And so Luke lost track of Luke again. <laughs> yeah. And I love, the, I love the blue outline blue text for uh, Ben and Force Ghost. That's pretty great. Right. Luke. 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 Listen to me <laughs> carefully. Duke. Run. <laughs> Midichlorians. Oh we're more convinced by this comic as we're going right off the bat it, it felt like some real sequel-y kind of stuff like i just feel like i feel that a lot of the star wars media a lot of stuff we'll cover throughout will have this it's kind of running with a concept that someone else has made so it's either got like sequel syndrome or like kind of fanon uh syndrome going on sometimes that's how the, the start of it is feeling and that's how a lot of these are uh we're, we're rehashing characters that were written in the movies as yeah. uh comic characters so we got to kind of you know held back to that and with some stuff but by the time we're getting to the end of this comic uh it's deviated itself enough the writing i felt was nicely executed and we get this run and the back panel you you turn the page for it too uh for obi-wan <laughs> yeah. to tell him run as darth vader has met him in the hallway which is very very daunting which uh, we got the what's it called the angle dutch angle dutch yeah angle. you got the full dutch angle that kind of helps you fit a little bit more of the corridor onto a single page yeah, yeah. good on a comic for long angles uh, and then we get into two and we yeah. just immediately get into the fight right yeah luke and darth vader dueling it out with lightsabers which we have now pushed up the timeline of these two crossing uh lightsabers significantly because it is no longer in empire strikes back yeah but i like that luke gets to see just how totally out of his league he is with darth vader yeah just Pretty Not much only does he lose. Yeah, it's within like two sword strikes. Yeah. And Vader just yeah. takes his lightsaber. Vader's not yeah. even trying. Yeah. He's he's just expositing. He's just monologuing at him. Vader, uh, he 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 hesitates yes. because the lightsaber is Anakin's. He does, yeah. I know this weapon. It once belonged to Oh, and we'll never know now because an ATAT foot crashes through the roof. Uh, whose, whose lightsaber could it possibly be? I do like right before that, though, when he uh, notices it is while he has crossed a blue and a red lightsaber in order to behead Luke, just as he did to Darth Tyrannus in episode two. Which mm, yeah. Now, you know, it was 10 years before this movie was made. So it's uh, a reference to his previous uh, executions. Yeah. Man, man is a bit dark. <laughs> Indeed. A real bad guy. <laughs> Sometimes uh, they're bad guys. They're not bad guys. This guy is a bad guy. 
He gets better though. Uh, he gets not better. better. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, on Sazam, piling the ATT. Yeah, and then the the slaves that are with them, uh, the ones who I guess can't fit in the ATAT, are just running around and hand to hand murdering stormtroopers. Yeah, they got shivs and lead pipes. Yeah, you walk you walk onto the production floor. You grab the biggest hunk of metal you can get, and you're going to yeah. kill a stormtrooper if it means you get to see the light of day again. And right. then a Luke turns around and just watches a slave get impaled by his lightsaber. Yeah, by the blue Vader. lightsaber oh. Vatican. And then when he tries to go for the lightsaber, Vader just swoops it back. <laughs> yeah, and Vader's just like 1v4ing. He's just walking around wildly swinging that thing, just killing anything that gets in his way. We all see a lot the, of innocent slaves die. A lot of the panels with Vader are just so good. He he is really, he, he is just menacing. Yeah. Throughout. It does remind yeah, me of the A New Hope Special Edition Vader a bit. With the poses mm. and the yeah the menace, and then I, I, Luke says, "Oh Ben, what have I done?" Because he freed these slaves, and now they're all just getting gunned down. Yeah, yeah, putting a lot of responsibility onto his actions. He doesn't just get to be triumphant like in the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's more complicated. Um, and they're just walking around in this thing, and they're trying to get the the guns in the ATAT aren't functional, and uh, R two and some Jawas are trying to connect shit up. Yeah, I guess the Jawas are slaves. <laughs> Yeah, doing some on-the-fly engineering. And we try to get an update from C-3PO. He has not done anything since we last checked in on him. They tell him once again, take the gun. That's an order. And he gets it. He grabs that gun. He walks out. uh, And he immediately drops it. Yeah, he's trying to be as as intimidating as possible. He says, if given no alternative, I'm afraid I shall not hesitate to... And then clank, clank, immediately drops the gun. (laughs) <laughs> the panel of them all staring down at the gun. Yeah, like, well, that wasn't like very uh-huh. impressive. I love these these dudes. They're just like one hundred percent tentacle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have they're, eyes. They're a solid Jawa two point oh. I'd say. Like, yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. They have little oh, eyes in there, facial yeah. features and a little hood. They're short. Uh, they take his gun and they shoot him with it. They <laughs> <Yeah>. sure do. <laughs> <laughs> I love how they all have all their arms up too. Whoa. <laughs> the panel, they're all like, "Whoa, get them!" Uh, moving uh, back to when they commandeer an ATAT, Han says, "I can drive anything." I can drive anything. I yeah, that. I love that. I think that like becomes kind of a catchphrase for Poe Dameron in the sequel trilogy. I can fly anything. So uh-huh. I don't. I mean, like this is. Oh yeah, because probably just coincidence. Because they go to uh, take the the Tie Fighter out of the bay in Episode Seven. And Finn is like, can you drive a, a TIE fighter? And then Poe's like, I can drive anything. And then uh, it's a bit of messy flying. Yeah, I think that's a, an important phrase in space fantasy, because despite Star Wars having a lot of details fleshed out, it's not science fiction. Like, we don't explain the way things actually work, and we shouldn't. Sure, but That yeah. means that we have a lot of cool things to fly around on the ground, in space, in the sky, between galaxies. And for plot convenience, we can't be, you know, going and getting our uh, space driver's licenses. So sure. someone on the team has to be able to fly anything that we encounter. That's just kind of a mundanity of this uh, yeah. genre. So I think that's one that comes up a lot in this whole 
any science or any space fantasy, that someone has to be able to drive everything that we come up with in order to motivate the plot and keep pulling out shiny new toys. Yeah. And speaking of flying anything, Luke finds an assembly line of speeder bikes. And so he's going to spend most of the rest of this issue zipping I, I gotta say, a farm boy who can bullseye womp rats is really funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's hyping himself up. You know, yeah, like, it, it's a little silly, he's kind of referencing the line, but I feel like if you called your shot like that, like, in, in real life, if you called your shot, you said, you know, I, I can bullseye womp brass that size, and then you're that guy who does it to the Death Star, that can be, like, your thing now. You can go, yes, you know sure, what, yeah. I did that, I, I shot something smaller than a womp rat, like, I can get on that speeder bike and save some people from certain death. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and we'll uh, our says, previous discussion uh, because our previous episode was Dark Empire, where in the first yeah. issue Luke takes down an ATAT through uh, the power of the Force. Yeah, and then you say Vader. Vader says, "Leave the Walker to me." They're gonna step on him with the ATAT, and he just says no, and he <laughs> yeah. brings the whole thing down. It looks like he's going to bring the whole thing down if left un unchecked. He's holding up the leg that was going to crush him, but also seems like he might be like... It looks like he's buckling at all of its joints. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's about to crush himself down. But R2 and the Jawas get the guns connected, and they pull the trigger directly on Darth Vader. Or, or all around him, maybe. I guess there's four blasts, and there's he four has guns to dodge. and ATAT. Yeah. So he loses concentration. They're able to blast their way out of the weapons factory floor. R2, you beautiful droid, I could kiss you. Oh, him you want to kiss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we also get these C-3PO panels. Um, sir, if you'll not be needing me, I, I believe I'll close down for a while. This and big this cannon is, this is... is rough for C-3PO because it means in the span of, like, a month, he got disassembled fully twice. He, uh, I mean, it's three years between four and five. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Three years yeah. is also a rough timeline for being fully disassembled. I would prefer not to be in that situation. For most people, one is more than enough. This is where C-3PO, this panel is where C-3PO starts to dissociate. And he'll be disassociating <laughs> for uh, the, the rest of this arc, or the rest of this uh, this this mini this portion. Because he just yeah. starts he just starts talking about, what, Captain Antilles and stuff? Yeah, Captain Ramus Antilles. He's just, he's done. Yeah, to be four, right? So it looks like that blast, in addition to making Darth Vader dodge, has caused him to lose a grip on the blue lightsaber. So Luke is able to speed by on a speeder bike, pick that thing up, and get to going. Yeah, Vader left it and then just chased after the ATAT, I guess, which is well, he dropped it when he got shot at, and it looks like he took some damage onto his suit. Right? He lost it in that. It. it, Um. I. The. uh, Yes. Yeah. I guess he's under the wreckage there. Okay, it got knocked off of his belt, actually. It is depicted in the shot of him uh, getting shot at with the ATAT. Yeah. Not super clearly, but it did just get knocked off of his belt, and he's crushed under rubble. That's correct. So yeah, he's had it on his belt while he's holding up the ATAT. Uh, the stormtrooper goes to check on Vader, sees his head, and goes, Oh, I'm sorry, and then just gets his whole neck turned in half insane yeah not the stormtroopers are so disposable to darth vader here he's used them as human shields he's killed this one just for seeing how deformed he is i feel like expanded universe portrayals of vader usually go one of two ways yeah this is the one where vader is completely brutal and doesn't hesitate to kill any of his soldiers at any point yeah 
The alternative portrayal is usually a Vader who's sympathetic to the common soldier and, you know, wrathful uh, towards the Imperial elite. Yeah. He sees this weak. Yeah. Uh, I like both of those versions. I think for canon, I think he generally he should just be ruthless. I think that is... I, I think, think that makes so more sense. Too. Well, certainly he's always depicted as the officer class seems to be pretty disposable to him. Yes. Yeah. Um, especially if they're incompetent. But we don't really see him doing that to common soldiers in the original trilogy films. He just, yeah, he just sure. commands them. He just tells them to go places. But there's nothing else to it. I, I think more than anything, he doesn't think about them. Yeah. He just says, yep, those are soldiers that I will command for my game. And that's right. it. I think there's some very good decisions on final pages of every one of these issues. Yeah. Um, they're almost a cover uh, themselves each time or otherwise are very plot motivating. They really push the story forward to make you excited for the next release. Yeah, exactly. Really good what you'd traditionally expect, more or less, from a yeah. comic book. A big serialized one at the end with a cliffhanger. I will say they the the, the mission was to to make the factory go into uh, reactor meltdown or something. Reactor meltdown, yeah, and they successfully did that. It's in a reactor meltdown, and the overseer of the thing contacts Vader and is like, "This is not good. We're going to explode. We should. We need to evacuate." And Vader says, uh, "If this thing blows up, you're dying with it. Stay here. Try and fix it." Permission denied. If this factory yeah. explodes, you had better best explode with it. Yeah, and he's more afraid of Vader than uh, he yeah. is of the uh, explosion. Only one way out. Yeah. Uh, and in three, we just open with all-out battle, stormtroopers firing on the stolen AT-AT, and slaves just getting shot, and Vader walking Vader. among the rubble. Chewbacca reappears. He escapes somehow, I guess. Yeah, I guess yeah. he just took them on a wild goose chase um and rescues c-3po's parts and repulses the scavengers from the millennium falcon she shoots all of them yeah and we get a splat uh, most of a you know most of a page devoted to all of the newly constructed war machines that the imperials can muster against the rebels atat yeah interestingly no atats yeah i guess not because well, we drove them from the ATAT factory, right? I guess, but there's no other ATATs about. I mean, I guess you wouldn't. I oh. guess you wouldn't be using like landing craft, like troop transports on at home. Yeah, even for like def- like planetary defense. But yeah, they got they got hover tanks, they got uh, land speeders, they got ATSTs, they got a funny box. A funny yeah. box. The funny box yeah. is actually the the troop transport design from Rebels. Yeah, TV and show. it shows up in. Shows up in um, Mando season two, I think. Yeah. So that, that design appears in Rebels when it comes out in late 2014. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun design, actually. I do like it. These hover tanks never show up again, but they seem to be AAT derived. Yeah. yeah like a little disc shaped sure. thing with a big turret on top. And then there's interesting air speeders, which the combat speeders that were designed for this story arc but i don't think ever appear again well they're kind of yeah, it sounds about right they seem to have guns on their wings they seem to have a lot of engine looking things lots of turbines everywhere yeah yeah i think mayhaps a little over designed but it's how it goes maybe yeah luke 
on his own speeder is uh, dogfighting with stormtroopers. He is narrowly avoiding darn everything. He's underneath the ATAT's foot as it walks. Yeah, it's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's doing he's really. doing his, his best to combat everyone else trying to destroy the ATAT. Right. And he's taken down he's taken down AATs and stuff. Or ATSDs, my bad. So Vader does take down the AAT by simply cutting all the linkages to one of the feet. Yep, he just takes the whole thing out. Yeah. And Chewbacca's out there fixing up the Millennium Falcon to get it flying again. Right. Han and Leia look at each other and say their each other's names as the ATAT goes down. Because they they're thinking that it, it might be fatal. Yeah, That's Darth Vader definitely thinks they're all going to die. But he's going to get distracted momentarily. He doesn't care about the slaves. He doesn't really care about the walker. But Luke blazes by on his speeder. And that is where Darth Vader's attention is. He's going to launch a stormtrooper out of one of his speeders so he can jump in it himself. <laughs> Fucking pursue. intense. So so funny. Imagine you're just doing your job. You get launched out of your... What do you do now? You're just on the ground. You don't have a gun. There's fighting going on out here. So Luke peels off from the rebels because the reactor was stabilized. He needs to... He thinks it's a suicide mission. He's going to fire on it just to guarantee that the facility is destroyed. Vader follows him. Poor Agadine is just, um, I want to say, beheaded by Vader's speeder. As he flies by chasing Luke. Yeah, he that hit. That's the hat being knocked off, but... Well, his shoes are still on, so... He might be alive. What? Are shoes the indicator of vitality? Do you not know the... Vitality? This is an internet joke that's like, uh, in a video, if somebody's shoes are still on by the end, they're probably still alive. Huh. <laughs> huh. Okay. So he's probably still alive. Uh, not for long, though, because Luke does successfully blast that reactor... And the rest of these frames are engulfed in flame. Right. Uh, Luke decides he's never going to make it. He's got Vader on his tail, a reactor meltdown explosion following hot on his tail. He says, I'm sorry, father. Sorry, I'll never be the Jedi you were. Right. But he blasts out. Safe. I do think it was a little bit weird for... <laughs> and he escapes. Oh, well. I feel like they should have uh, they should have done a little bit more of like acknowledging that he got out rather than like because he just like shows up in the millennium falcon in the next page it's like huh okay <laughs> but uh vader is just standing in the in the rubble and destruction and the fire and he's like huh there might be something more to this dude yeah he's definitely contemplating he i mean he didn't think anything of luke a second ago when they crossed blades yeah uh, and once once we come back to him, the, the Millennium Falcon gets out. The Star Destroyers are unable to shoot down the Millennium Falcon before it can get to hyperspace. And we pan back to Darth Vader, and he thinks to himself about uh, this. Oh, yeah, they, they get through the blockade. He's kind of pissed off about this. It seems it's implied that he chokes the guy who tells yeah, him on the other side of the line. escapes the blockade. Yeah, which yeah, is Captain uh, Kron of the Star Destroyer Adjudicator. And then we get uh, we get gargled. Death noises, yeah, yeah. Uh, he he realizes he knows that this uh, that Luke was linked with Obi Wan because they showed up on the Death Star at the same time, uh, and he he really wants Obi Wan's loss, his uh, defeat to be permanent, to be final. He knows Obi Wan is up to something with the boy, so he is going to take him and use him for the dark side. What a dramatic! Yeah. What a dramatic panel at the bottom. Yeah, framing that Vader really up out. in the window frame. Yeah, wrecked Tie Fighter in the wreckage. 
pretty cool. Yeah, that one's probably my favorite panel from this whole series. I think it really is just uh, very tasteful. I love the grittiness of the inks here. Yeah. A lot of little blotches. I feel like the detailing uh, on the last couple of comics has gotten a lot greater than the first one. The first one, everything was pretty smooth. It has like that like airbrushed look that I said earlier. I'm not a fan of usually, uh-huh. but with a lot more detailing, a lot more gritty stuff. Maybe it's just the subject matter getting grittier um, because it's you know war. But I, but I, I think that the style has really fit better in for my taste, at least. I like what John Cassidy does with the inks around the facial features of the characters. It gives them a lot of, it really shows the expressions and their inner thoughts. Well, Mm -hmm. I think that's what he's doing. Are are you going for like the, the hatching patterns on like Luke and Leia? Sometimes it's just hatching. Sometimes it's darker shading. Uh You know, I think they're very emotive. It's very emotive. Exactly. Uh, Luke is feeling down despite, despite saving the mission objective and saving everybody. He's he feels like they they were lucky rather than he was skilled. Right. Yeah. And heck, a lot of people died because of his actions. He barely got out and he knows that he cannot stop Vader. Yeah. So he's got to do some soul searching. Um, we go back to Tatooine. We always go back to Tatooine. Yeah. Some some outlaws drop a body near Obi-Wan's old place. And then we oh, yeah, go the, ex- into- the exposition thugs. Yeah. And then we <laughs> go to Obi-Wan's thugs. place and we, there's a, a crate there that says, for Luke. That's right. In Orabesh, the language yeah. of Star Wars. Not in Latin script, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. We're not doing that anymore. Baby Kong. They made Baby Kong. I saw a really long Godzilla. I, I Kong. am actually. Uh, I think it's. Is it they showed Kong? us Baby Kong? Yes, they showed us There's Baby Kong. And then they showed us Lanky Kong. And then Wait, they showed us oh, Baby yeah. Kong throwing a giant rock at Lanky Kong's head. And I went, ah! So the bad guy in Kong, Kong X Godzilla is called Scar. And he's like an orangutan Kong. Wait, uh, are we doing Donkey Kong the animated television show? With is Godzilla? Godzilla is Donkey also Kong country. <laughs> That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like from the end. He's a good payroll. Uh, they, they, yeah, oh my god. They're, they also gave Donkey Kong an infinity gauntlet. He does get the infinity gauntlet. <laughs> yep. What is happening? Oh my god, this is amazing. It's, it's going back I, to the roots. It, incredibly, Godzilla is becoming a, a high... A really high, high, high production of uh, uh, <laughs> B movies, which is exactly you know what I'm. I'm kind of down. Classic shit. That's amazing. Especially yeah, I, just watched, um, I mean, I watched Godzilla 2000. I know I've told you guys that. Yeah. Um, which he's got pink. He's got. This is where the pink, uh, pink dorsal spikes come from, which is fun. Oh, when it's like overheating or whatever. Yeah. He he goes. He gets. He gets pink, and he's got a like a pink beam. Oh, um, and apparently it was like a thing that they only did for for Godzilla 2000. And I do I, not I remember guess. this. I do not remember this movie. We've watched it. I do not remember it. it, it again, it's got Orga. Yes, a monster that's never seen ever yeah. again. Yeah, I'm not sure and the name Orga even comes up. Like what? <laughs> I think they say his name once. It's like an alien who touches Godzilla and mutates into like some sort of weird thing. No, so the plot is that okay. Well, can we? Okay, we should talk about this later. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll come back to that. We gotta favorite. talk about our other hyperfixation first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go back and address the creators of the comic. Oh, sure. Yeah. So the creative team for these comics are the writer, Jason Aaron. Um, the artist, Pencils and Inks, is John Cassidy. And I believe the colorist is Laura Martin. Uh-huh. And then the, the letterer is going to be Chris Eliopoulos. So Jason Aaron, one of the first uh, series he does as a comics writer is called The Other Side. It involves a U.S. Marine and a army of uh, North Vietnam soldier. So during the Vietnam War, showing both of their experiences, which is an interesting concept. And he gets involved with Marvel doing some different stuff. What he becomes really well known for is his run on Thor, you know, the okay. mighty Thor, starting with, I don't understand the whole concept, but it's very high concept. There's a uh, young Thor, a uh, regular Thor and old Thor, and they're doing time travel, potentially multiverse shenanigans with yeah. a God killing entity. Oh, is this like the, oh, yeah. you just keep going. Yeah. And then after that, Jason Aaron follows up with the new Thor is, Jane Foster, who's previously sort of uh, a long-running Thor sidekick character, um, yeah. you know, famously uh, depicted in Thor: Love and Thunder, I guess is the the yes the movie that's based on a lot of the work that Jason Aaron wrote for that yeah. series. The villain Gore the God Butcher. There we go. Gore the God Butcher. Okay, gotcha. And his sword is um, a symbiote. Oh yeah, like a Venom symbiote thing, right? The god, the god of the the Venom symbiotes. Gotcha. Yeah, so that was the stuff that Jason Aaron was most known for with Marvel. Um, and then he came on to the Star Wars project and writes a long, I think he writes about 40 issues. Okay. For this ongoing series. Now, the artist, John Cassidy, became really well known with a series called Planetary. I think this was during the 90s. So this was one of these, I guess you could call it like a superhero deconstruction series but it's looking at all of the different uh, pulp genres of the 20th century and exploring a lot of the famous characters and a lot of the different genres. So everything from, you know, Westerns, crime thrillers, uh, I guess like what we would call superhero stuff, like adventure stuff. So all sure. sorts of cool stuff. So that series was pretty well received, planetary. And also the colorist here, Laura Martin, was also the colorist for that series. Okay. But cool. at Marvel, John Cassidy is the artist on Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men. And, you know, back then, um, I think it was like the 20-aughts, so back then Joss Whedon was sort of at the height of his renown as a sort of cult figure coming off of Buffy and Firefly. He was writing Astonishing X-Men for Marvel. Uh, of course, now we don't have particularly good feelings for Joss, but no. uh, that was then. Uh, that yeah. comic series was pretty well-renowned. So I guess I would say a superstar writing and writing and, and art team sure okay and that that's who we have here so they picked i think steady hands yeah it makes sense and they're doing a good job my opinion at least after reading these six is i'm i'm invested and i'm intrigued and of course i know i've already read the the darth vader comics within this 
continuity, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I love those. And I, I, this, I, this fits very well within that. Yeah, something you know? that they were doing was, um, especially for these first arcs of both the Star Wars and Darth Vader comics that came out at the same time, they were having them sort of dovetail issue to issue. Yeah. So when we go to Tatooine to see Darth Vader negotiating with Jabba, negotiating. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Jabba has the grace not to say this deal is getting worse all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is a, he's a very shrewd negotiator himself here. I think something that really stands out in this series is how well executed villains are, because that's something that Star Wars lacks in the original source material. The movies all have poor villains outside of like Darth Vader, really. Uh, they're, uh, they're just evil for evil's sake. We have to overcome them. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of them that are, yeah. you know, barely on the screen at all or don't do anything functionally. But here they're very well fleshed out and, you know, you you understand them, you understand what they do and you do fear them in different ways, too. Right. Right. They're not all, uh, you know, they're all different threats. Um, I flagged up when we go to Tatooine, Jabba negotiates or um, but it's hinted at here that Vader had been here previously, which was shown in the Darth Vader. I think it was Darth Vader mm. issue one. Yeah. Pretty cool. I think it's very funny when there's an editor's note, they make a little SW in the Star Wars logo. I, yeah. I, I, did, I thought that was really I funny. Yeah. Too. We're all looking at the same panel. Yeah, it's uh, a two-page splash with Vader and his stormtroopers in... Jabba's, I guess you call it his throne room. Yeah. And they point out that Jabba is speaking in Hutties. There's a lot of subtle color work here. Like you can see the little lines on Jabba. Yeah. Yeah. To give him more texture. So this one, interestingly, this cover for four, the one with Darth Vader looming on the horizon of Tatooine, is actually a different artist than the uh, interior material. And the other ones that we've looked at here. Okay, so when it says with Laura Martin, it means... Oh, okay. I think they did, yeah. Yeah, Which one did the color? I interpreted that as Laura Martin did the coloring for the issues alongside John Cassidy's pencils and inks, and that Paul Mounts was the colorist for number four. Cool. Okay, okay. Cool. That is worth flagging up, right? Yeah, Paul Mounts is a colorist. Which great coloring. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so Vader and uh, Jabba have these talks, and, you know, Jabba's doing a lot of saying, dancing around, you know, he's dancing around topics, he's dancing around meanings, you know? Right. Yes. He's like, yeah, of course. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna disobey the Empire, dude. Like, that's not in my best interest. <laughs> He's yeah. being, oh yeah, very politic, very, um, very tactful. Yeah, Jabba negotiating with Darth Vader is fascinating because these are two very important, and we're like, uh, at this point, we feel like these are very strong characters in the Star Wars world. Jabba has a lot of power behind him, but that feels dwarfed by the empire and of course he can't say no to darth vader and him negotiating again after last time he was negotiating we go oh he does not take no for an answer this is going to be quick negotiations and he will win in fact darth vader expresses their terms says this concludes the negotiations but <laughs> job actually convinces him to keep talking for quite some time darth vader wants to cut and dry say his thing and leave and be on to his next 
task, but Jabba convinces him to stick around, not just to talk for more, but to even go on some outings with him. Yeah, well, also Jabba tries to kind of threaten him, or at least threaten the, the goods. He says uh, it would be a shame if our shipments were to be intercepted by pirates or even by giant space slugs, right? He's saying he's like, uh, you know, if you don't give me the pay I want, some of this shit might just disappear, right? Right. And Vader's like, anything that stops the shipments, anything that you try to, to do to stop the shipments is not going to work. <laughs> you know, he says, he says, that's not that's not going to happen, bud. So fascinatingly, Darth Vader does turn around and decide to stick around because Jabba says a feast must be prepared in your honor and entertainment as well. I do not know. I do not know about you, my dear Lord of the Sith, but Jabba the Hutt prefers to seal all his business ventures by watching something die. And it's curious to me that that convinces Darth Vader to stick around. It doesn't really seem like his cup of tea, but it does a lot to characterize Jabba. Yeah. Mm. He's a lot more menacing as opposed to just comedic. Like he ends up being in a lot of his movie appearances. Yeah. Like he, he's definitely threatening, but also in less of a real way. He really feels like a psychopath here. Yeah. Mm. So we head back to the rebel fleet. We set up where Han, well, basically we're setting up where all the rebels are at. Han and Chewbacca are trying to fix the Falcon. I don't even know what this thing is. I love that line. So were you blindfolded when you put this together? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously the Falcon's in, bad, in a bad situation after they escape Simon 1 um, from being partially dismantled. For Leia's part, she doesn't think that the Rebellion is doing enough to yeah. stop the Empire. So this kind of establishes, I guess Leia's ruthless uh, and very driven streak in these comics. And I yeah. like this characterization. I think it's also interesting that she says that she doesn't need to use Alliance resources, that she's got her own team. Yeah. It's, it is just a Han, Luke, and Chewie, C-3PO, and R2. It's a good strike team. They yeah, they're like her well. friends, but That's also true. they're her like special forces uh, unit that she can move more agilely. Yeah. She can, she can convince them to do some some dumb stuff, too. Somehow, none of them want to do it for her. Yeah, exactly. She is kind of manipulating them. Yeah, Chewie, out of out of everybody, like Chewie and Luke seem the most on board, right? Luke is absolutely not on board. He doesn't even come with them. Well, not this time. This time, he's not on board at all. But like I was saying, he probably would have been on board for the for the onboarding of the last mission, right? He was probably pretty excited about that. He was like, "Yeah, Yeah. let's go destroy some stuff." Right. But Chewie, right? He's he was a slave to the Empire. Yeah, for a bit. He's probably much more motivated than many of the other people to to stop the Empire. Is he? Hmm. Was he a slave in? Yeah. Okay. In this canon, he is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cool. Oh yeah. This does. This this is a little different from some of the other uh, books we've been reading, where they kind of exist in a vacuum, either being decanonized or coming before the rest of the canon that they'll fit into. But this right. one very much is a product of previous material. Yeah. And yeah, so she she decides she wants to go do more. We get this Luke training. He gets murked by the training bots, and he uh, des- destroys them, which is always not a good sign. Oh, anger detected. Anger. Yeah, anger detected, yeah. That means he's been afraid for some time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fear came already. And he feels that. He feels that that's wrong. He should not have acted out in a rage at the training devices, so... He says, I'm no Jedi, in fact. And he says, Leia, I won't go with you. I have to find myself or however he phrases that exactly. But he doesn't know who he is and he thinks he's a danger to everyone around him. 
and then we flash back to Tatooine, new character alert. Somebody is looking for Han Solo. Somebody in a uh, cowl and hat covering most of their eyes and a mask for some reason. Yeah. Mysterious women in Star Wars have half masks. That's just how it works. Okay. Yeah. My thought was, <laughs> I, 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 me and Zach were talking about this a little bit earlier today, but actually my first thought when I saw her was some some Bosch thinking for, for, for whatever reason. Yeah. I, it, it felt Bosch like to me. Right. Like the Yeah, I guess I guess this is Leia uses in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't know if this is how the canon is currently, but previously it was that uh the reason that Leia shows up in uh Return in that funky outfit is that she took down a bounty hunter whose outfit that was, and that's how she gets into yeah. Jabba's lair, is that she takes the whole outfit uh, and pretends to be Bosch in order to it's get in sick. and save Han, which is a good story. It's entirely left out of it. Surely that comes from like novelization of the. Uh, it's in Shadows of the Empire in Legends, and it's in a one-off comic in the canon. Sure. Is this okay. Currently is canon? Okay, cool. Yeah, it's canon. Uh, so it's so that's not the that's the game. Although I'm now realizing that that's just while we were having this conversation, had the mental image of Bosch's mask, and I went, well, that's yeah. absolutely nothing like this. So I'm not sure what I was thinking that, because instead it's more like Zam Wessel. Oh. Yeah. Uh, with I the half mask and the covered uh, hat. Yeah. I don't know. I, I There's sick design. Cool design. I think the best explanation for the mask is that she's just trying not to take in particulate matter on Tatooine. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's, my, super uh, reasonable. My, that's my headcanon. Uh, otherwise, it's just style or makes you look scary because uh, she's putting on an intimidating show here. The Rodians come over here for for money that she's put up for people with information leading towards the location of, in particular here, they don't tell us for a second, but Han Solo. And she's got a funny little bit of tech as well. Why didn't we think of this decades ago? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. A voice activated laser turret that you can just hide somewhere. Yeah, just leave it on the floor and then say knees, and suddenly no one in the room has knees anymore. Holy, that's why <laughs> this thing could replace an entire platoon of stormtroopers. <laughs> uh, but I guess this starts characterizing Sana as uh, so. This is a, a a new character for the comics, Sana Staros, but kind of characterizes her as a foil to Han in a number of ways. Uh, notably, unlike Han, who <gasps> always improvises, Sana always prepares. Mm. I didn't even realize the important, important parallel, which is she is sitting at a cantina table and she shoots not one, but four Rodians first. (laughs) In this canon, Han did shoot seconds. That is real. So she is. God damn it. That's that's actually very important here. Yeah. She she not only shoots first, but eight times as much as Han was, which is much more violent. <laughs> eight than times Han. more. Yes. And she's, uh, she's pretty scary with it too. I like, I couldn't see Han blasting off this guy's hand and then threatening to eviscerate him even more. The reward is that they're alive still. Han Solo belongs to her. So she's pretty scary. So we've got someone hunting down Han now. So we have an additional subplot. Yeah, we got a couple of different subplots that we're juggling here because we go back to uh, Vader on Jabba's sail barge, which is apparently happening on Tatooine at the same time. Yeah, and they're hunting yeah. Bantha. Sad days. Back to Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, this kind of messed up. 
Also, I love I love that the uh, the wacky and monkey lizard is like, <laughs> and then Vader's like, if you value that creature's life, you should tell it to never again do that in my presence. You know the really lizard's name, right? <laughs> I know it has a name. I just don't know it. It's Salacious B. Chroma. Oh, yes. Oh, Salacious B. Yes. name. Yep. Amazing. Jetpack really has a knack for these names. Also, it's kind of weird that he's naming them in a different language than he speaks. <laughs> I uh, Maybe Salacious speaks basic and gave him <laughs> It just refuses to ever speak in the presence of other people. That would be pretty funny. He's, I mean, he's supposed to be sentient, right? Yeah, I think so. I think he's more like a pet. Like, like, sort of like in between like a... Halfway slave, halfway. No, I mean, monkeys are pretty smart, right? Like, so if you use yeah. them as an analog. But yeah, I'm not, we have I'm some, not exactly clear on that. Some further conversation between Jabba and Darth Vader. Um, and Jabba indicates that he knows or that he's willing to keep talking about these bounty hunters. This also explains the the lineup of bounty hunters that we have. I mean, in Empire Strikes Back, right, where we get a couple moments of Boba Fett and um the crew at Forlam, uh, Zuckus, Dengar. There's too many for me to choose uh, the next name to say. Thank you. <laughs> right. The Vader's been working with bounty hunters before. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so this explains where they came from. He sourced them from Jabba, which is a neat little thing to explain. And that kind of like puts it on the DL that, that Palpatine's not aware of nominally. Yes, and uh, Darth does not want to be talking about this. This is off limit stuff, but Jabba gets to get away with this. This is something he's very impressive. Uh, he'll say something Darth does not want him to say, uh, and Darth Vader says, "No, we're not talking about that." And Jabba goes, "That's okay. We'll talk about another thing that you don't really want to talk about." <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's very wily with these things. <laughs> the Jedi are no more. Huh, yes, yet another reason we are such good friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he does have some information that Darth Vader does want to know about, something he does want to talk about, which is what was up with Obi-Wan Kenobi when Obi-Wan Kenobi was here on Tatooine? Yeah. And who who could this random stranger from Tatooine, who Obi-Wan clearly taught and brought here and who destroyed the Death Star, what, who was he and what information is there to be found here? And I... Uh, the amazing the amazing line of who knew anyone of note was ever born on Tatooine, eh? And it's vader looking into the binary sunset oh, I realize that it's reflected in his eyes yeah and that's kind of it begs the question does jabba know he might he knows I, a I, lot I, he knows a lot and he would he would say that uh just that pointedly but it, it'll definitely no matter whether he knows it'll ring in darth vader's ears yeah yeah exactly but uh, this is my favorite panel from the entire the banthas or darth uh, vader from the we looked at it's just this this incredible Darth Vader looking at the Darth Vader with the binary suns. sunsets reflecting off of his lenses. The lighting is so well executed. Um, yeah, Laura, what was her last name? Laura Martin. Martin, great job. It's mostly all job. oranges and blues here. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's really it's a good. Pretty comic. This whole issue. Also, uh, taking a second, is Jabba chewing on like a big piece of wood? I, I, <laughs> no, I assume it's weird to see like jerky or something i, I don't Maybe. know i have no idea it's, pretty it's moist. completely ambiguous actually i think i think this uh comic has a few examples of cow tools um, <laughs> i think this is one of them i was actually i just took a, a snip uh from one of these pages that i was going to 
turn into a cow tools meme to send you guys in a minute. There's like an object you <laughs> cannot discern what it is or what its purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the the food, point of it is not that it does anything. It does not have a purpose. It was drawn in a panel of a comic. Uh, it literally does not exist and does not have a purpose. It just exists there to make you wonder what its purpose is, and that's whatever job is eating. Luke leaves to Tatooine to go learn more about himself and Ben. It's getting to be quite a full house. This could only result in rising action. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we go, go back to our, our poor um, mutilated Rodians who are about to, I think, be potentially executed by Boba Fett after he extracts all of the information it's kind of implied that it's going to be Luke though we see him setting off he says set course for Tatooine I'm looking for someone <laughs> yeah Not you too like we told the other bounty hunter we don't know where Solo's run off to it's very so, much an archer transition where it's that. like somebody says something that fits in the context of the next conversation after a hard cut but like there's no connection between them <laughs> yes Wait, oh my gosh okay, that is you're so right that is not how I interpreted that at all. I interpreted this as that R2, set course for Tatooine, cut. Boba Fett says, I'm looking for no, someone. Well, yes, he does. It is Boba Fett saying I'm looking for someone. Right. But I, I guess it's... Okay, it's I thought you guys were saying that Luke, Luke was saying that. Looking I was like, for I don't... Anybody, no. no, no, no. When no. you flip to this yeah. page, you don't see Boba Fett until next page. You do not yeah. know it's Boba Fett. So your inner monologue has to yeah. choose someone's voice for it to be in. And it's... Luke, because yeah, Luke sure. is looking for someone. And hell, yeah. Luke okay. might be saying, I'm looking for someone, but also Boba Fett is. It's a beautiful parallelism. Hey, no, it's really well executed. Luke isn't looking for anyone. Um, oh, I guess I guess he's not looking for someone. That's true. He's looking, he's well, looking, he's for, looking for Obi-Wan's house, I guess. What exactly yeah, is no, I think, I think <laughs> He's just not looking. Yeah. I, think, I think they fully separate these two things. It's just somebody new is saying yeah, I'm looking for someone. And that's all. That's fair. Um, not you too. Maybe, well, maybe less well executed. Maybe I give a little too much credit, but a good, uh, a good one nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, and we get this reveal that Boba Fett is now in the picture also, uh, and he seems menacing, unlike last, unlike Dark Empire. And Boba Fett is one of the two bounty hunters that Vader has hired. Yeah, was it? Wait, who do we determine? Oh, I guess the other one. No, wait. Do we know who yeah, the other it's one is? Boba Fett, and then the other one is not relevant for the plot of this comic. It's happening in the Darth Vader sure, comic okay. in parallel. Sorry, the other way. Yeah, the other bounty hunter that who was it that... Vader hired from Jabba? Okay. Uh, do you know? Do you remember who it was? Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I did yeah. see the Wookiee. I knew who this did, is. Yeah, I did Never see mind. that mentioned, and I went, "That's very curious," and that explains. I don't know his name. I don't know his name is. I don't know. I enjoy that he's been brought to live action. I think that's. Yeah, I said, that's that's a Wookiee guy, and everyone said he's from he's from other media, and I went neat. Yeah, he's a great character in the comics. Pretty good, yeah. Thank you. What's his name? Uh, Kersantin Black Kerbstein. Okay, you guys avoided the name, so I was hoping to catch one of you and not think <laughs> curb stomping. Oh God, Kersantin. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> I guess it's Kersantin. I've always heard Kurtstein. That's I how see, I always thought it was. Way. That sounds about right. So uh, this last panel, again, amazing cliffhanger and a great full page spread of Boba Fett. I, I turned this one and I went, you know what? Boba Fett, again, cold take, but just taking a moment for appreciation. Uh, really great design. His helmet is just top tier, like of all science fiction character design. I was thinking it's about like so well executed. The, all the gadgets he has on those gauntlets mm -hmm. or the van braces yeah. on his lower arm. Yeah. 
it must be so heavy and uncomfortable. <laughs> That's true. Just be clanking it on stuff all the time. Actually, one of my favorite parts about this this OG Boba Fett design is the undersuit. Yeah, uh, I love like the, like the padded uh, cloth. Yeah, the padded cloth. I think it looks great with the rest yeah. of. It's very, it's very in the style of the costumes for uh, the original Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he's dressed very similar to any dude on the street on Tatooine but with the addition of these metal plates yeah, uh, and the helmet, of course, and the helmet. Okay. The high uh, cheekbone does so much to build up an intimidating presence. It's clearly a classic uh, Spartan helmet with the small yeah. isolates and the very large oh, yeah. central, which is uh, such an inspired design to have in space because he's, this is a visor, right? Yeah. And yeah. Such a tiny fraction of the visor is even remotely close to his eyes. Um, yeah. very much a form that fully is, the, the function is only a byproduct of the form which is just feels so cool then 10 i think really pulls everything together of course and the the dent has become iconic too but it's so cool well you can imagine there's any number of there's any number of detecting devices that are in the lower part of the visor on the mm. t yeah that's yeah, what you i'd just like make, to imagine yeah yeah you yeah, just, yeah. I agree. It doesn't really need to be transparent for your mouth, though. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, I don't know. My iPhone has a black screen and there's things underneath it. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're saying there's more electronics in there. I, I see. Yeah. What if it's like devices that are in there, like detectors or like cameras, uh, sensors? He has a toolbox suit, and anytime you just tell me that there's something more in there, it's just is. It just is. Yeah. It's a great, like narratively, that's a great setup that they've done. It actually really lends itself well towards comics because this is yeah. how it's some Batman shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's so many characters in comics that are really iconic that kind of pull stuff out because of it's not a really realistic medium in general. Exactly. So he's he's a great toolbox for these kinds of stories. We get to see him go on a murder spree montage as he's yeah, tracking down. He really does. He he kills all of those Rodians. He is incredibly ruthless here. They've gone through a lot, and he puts them all down. He kills Jawas. He kills random farmers. Yeah. Yep. Uh, just to get the name, the name of the pilot who destroyed the Death Star. He is, yeah. He's inc- and I lo- I love this panel of him in the bar. He looks so goddamn cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This is very different from our last uh, yeah. covered depiction of Boba Fett. This is everything that Boba Fett is. Other people claim Boba Fett to be nothing like what we see on screen with. Him. Yeah, this is everything that he could be. It's like it's like a return to peak edgy Boba. Yeah, yeah. Which you know I gotta love it. It's a whole it's a whole different vibe, but I do love it. Yeah, and if, if we haven't proved how ruthless he is, he effort, effortlessly obliterates a hulking uh, six-armed alien that's like eight feet tall. Yeah. And a farmer in the bar bolts, which is the last mistake he'll ever make because Boba yeah. lassos him and interrogates him on the table while everyone table. else continues to eat and drink. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, no longer pertains to me. I wouldn't, I mean, I would not stick around there. I, this guy is capable no, of just, leave the bar. just mutilating people at random. I don't know. Quite honestly, if you try and leave, you might find that suspicious. I think <laughs> that's true. I think I would just continue drinking my thing in the corner and just, you know, be like, I hope he doesn't pick me. <laughs> I'm the dumbest guy in this room. I don't know nothing. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> we go back to the rebel fleet. Uh, Han and Leia are kind of 
trying to, uh, I guess, manipulate each other a little bit. Yeah. Feeling each other out. Yeah. Negotiations, once again. What Leia wants <laughs> is somebody to go on a mission with her. Yeah, that she needs a co-pilot to go on the mission, and she has manipulated uh, Han into needing to go on the mission with her because the... he needs parts for his ship, but Leia yeah. won't authorize the parts for the ship because there's rationing and other ships need it she says seems reasonable <laughs> yeah. but i guess she could like you know cut through the red tape and make some parts available if she gets on on this mission i just i i just helped you blow up the biggest weapons factory in the galaxy i put my name on the empire's most wanted list for you that was days ago you need to stop living in the past captain solo is so funny <laughs> she's got the smug smirk on her face she's so funny also the retort because Leia also clearly wants him to stick around. Yeah. Yeah. Although she won't say it. And when Han stalks off, he says, you need to stop living in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a really, really good sequence here. This all feels straight out of uh, Return of the Jedi. Or yeah. maybe Empire yeah. Strikes Back. Sorry, that's right. Every single time I do this. I do this every single time. Oh, that's that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. ESB. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Really, really right on with their banter. And we go from feels good right on banter with them to this kid getting uh, teeth knocked in on the table has finally given up the name Skywalker. There are five knives around him and there's one more in Boba's hand. Yeah, I went totally. He took him to a crazy torture dungeon. And then I go to the next page and it's just on the table there. And I'm like, wait, he just had all these knives on him and he took them out like one by one. <laughs> well, yeah. Just having the table. Yeah. Uh, he gives up the name and he goes, Can I go now, Mr. Fett? And he shoots him. He says, Yes, but he puts <laughs> yeah. this guy down. Which would make sense if you didn't want him going and having that information and giving it to other people, but also you interrogating them public. <laughs> Everyone in that bar knows Skywalker. Well, he's been killing everybody on the path. So I guess he's just, he just wanted to kill another person. He's just doing it for the shit of it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. Yeah, he just is, he just is a killer. Yes, I don't know. Maybe on that hand, he this guy isn't looking for revenge, just his family is. Yeah, mm. which I don't yeah. know if that really does much to help your case, but uh, Luke, but maybe that guy won't hard to go back. to uh, Obi Wan's old house in Tatooine. Looks like the Tusken Raiders are ransacking through it. He's got to uh, drive them off. This time he can drive them off himself, though. Yeah, How yeah, far he has come. Um, and the mission with. Leia and Han goes uh, immediately. Immediately <laughs> Han, goes extremely well. Han really fucks shit up. <laughs> they have they have codes, proper codes. These ties come out. They did not expect ties to be out here. Uh, so that's a big surprise. But they've got clearance codes. They've got a Lambda class shuttle that they stole. They should be fine. Han is a little flighty and he tries yeah. to book it out of there. Uh, but their clearance codes go through, and he's already acted too quickly. And they have Fun to. They're just about to clear us. He says the codes won't work. They're going to board us or blast us. We've got to move. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they run away from the Tie Fighters down to a planet nearby that Han is familiar with. Yeah, because they're wait, looking. Where for are we? Locate. They're looking for potential locations for secret rebel base. Right. Yeah. And so Han goes down to the surface of the planet. It's got like uh, storms. What do they call them? Electrical superstorms. Superstorms. And the nice. Tie Fighters go. We ain't going down there. And so they get away from them. But there is a some kind of beacon or tracker thing that goes off when they get down there. The clouds look digitally painted, don't they? 
Yeah. We get oh. these uh, sort of pink clouds. Cotton candy. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. There's a tracker down here in the clouds, though. Catches wind of them, and it transmits. You guys said her name, but I don't know her name. Yeah, Sanastaros. So she knows now, and she. it seems like he's been here before, and she expected him to return at some point. Right. Yeah. The Monsua Nebula. Uh, yeah, so she, she goes to go uh, find them. Back on Tatooine, Luke has finally gotten his way into old Ben Larry Kenobi's uh, house. And here Obi-Wan's it is a mess. Ben Larry Kenobi? <laughs> and someone else has found it as well at the same time. Boba Fett comes in right behind him, tosses the nastiest flashbang I have ever seen. Leaves him blind for a while. Yeah, for most of this next issue. Because <laughs> this yeah. is our... Uh, our Until like the panel. last page of issue six. Yeah. So uh, cue a brawl in Obi-Wan's hut. This involves a lot of Luke getting getting smacked by the butt end of Boba's blaster, kicked by Boba. He, he really takes some licks, yeah. He's kicked, he's hit with the butt of the rifle. He tries to punch Boba Fett. He, he's a Skywalker, and he goes, Sky who? And swings for Boba Fett's crotch, and uh, there's metal plating there. It yeah. doesn't get him anywhere. He just hurts his hand. It's a good try, though. He said, yeah, what are yeah, stormtroopers doing in the Dune Sea? And then Boba's like, eh, ask the stormtroopers, because he's not a stormtrooper. Yeah, he thinks he's a stormtrooper because he punched armor, and he's still blind. Yeah. But he ignites his lightsaber regardless. He's ready to take this thing down. He realizes Boba Fett would have killed him already if he wanted him dead, so this guy's trying to arrest him. He says, a Jedi doesn't need eyes. And I watched Matrix Revolutions last night. Okay, um, where's this gonna go? If, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna see how many times I can shoehorn in a uh, Jesus allegory into Star Wars comics. Okay, because now we have a blind Messiah trope. Oh, is that part of the Bible? Because he's, no, no, we're. <laughs> huh. I'm continuing no, not no, to no, learn this, anything. No, this one's really getting shoehorned because this is tangential. Because Neo is a Jesus figure, and sure, yeah. uh, Luke is a Neo figure. So <laughs> <laughs> he's the first brand type protagonist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it works. He is he is blinded. He takes up the lightsaber. He stops the. I wouldn't even call it like the low grappling hooks is Spider-Man web shooter. Uh, he uses it to tie people up. Like Garo, Garrett, uh, yeah. Garot's wire. It's crazy how it always spins around somebody, apparently unbidden. Yeah. It, it, it launches special. I guess so. See, it does a little twirlies when it comes out of his wrist. That's it's how you know. It's got this thing on the end of it. I guess that probably has something to do with it. I guess so. Uh, totally mysterious. It's in space, so that's how it works. Uh, and then we get this sick uh, full panel or full page of Boba Fett charging at Luke with his jetpack and Luke swinging down with his lightsaber. And we yeah, get that's a really nasty ground. move to launch yourself with rockets at someone to give him the ultimate tackle. Yeah. Yeah. So Intense. that goes pretty hard. This is a solid fight, and we cut abruptly. We will we'll find out next time how that one's going. Uh, yeah, we're back on the uncharted planet with han and leia well i guess it's supposed to be uninhabited and han knows his way around immediately it's actually really pretty down here greens uh pinks and han goes straight to a cave hidden under a waterfall that has corellian wine in it yeah 
that he's stashed there in the past. Makes sense. He's a smuggler. He's had to be on the run plenty of times before. Got some. Yeah, one of his quotes is that like uh, you can you measure smugglers by their hiding spots. That's nice. Which is good. Which is pretty good. And the Imperial ties are still in the vicinity, but they're not going to go in and check for them. It'd be too dangerous to go down in the storms. But uh, Sala ship blasts right past. Identify yourself immediately. Don't mind me, boys. I won't be here long. She blasts down to the planet's surface. Yeah. <laughs> Looking like an insane person. <laughs> Luke is getting beat up by Boba. He's yeah. getting slashed up by... Boba seems to have some kind of arm uh, arm knives. Yep. Yeah, I have never noticed these before. They don't seem to be on him in every panel, though, so maybe they're extendo knives. I think they're extendo, yeah. They cut, popped out, yeah. I think that um, it's based on Django's yeah. gauntlets in uh, Attack of the Clones. Yes. Where he's sliding down the side of a conveniently oh. sloped platform on Camino that seems to be designed to help people fall into the ocean. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You got the they do, they do have safety rails there, though, yeah. in some places. So right. they're better than the Death Star. Better than. Yeah. As we'll call as that approximately a cloud city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, it seems like Boba feels like we're done now. He's like, yeah, you're. He's tired of this. He's cut him up. And, and he, he shoots shooting. him in the arm. Yeah. Yeah, Luke got shot. Yeah, he's, it is it's, gruesome, too. It looks... Yeah. It looks pretty intense. Once again, still blind, he... And one-armed at this point, because he's been shot in the other one, still manages a great deflection of a laser blast. Once again, Boba Fett resorts to blasting himself directly at Luke for the mother of all tackles. I love a Jedi can feel the Force flowing through him. And then Boba Fett points the gun at him and says, Feel this. Got him. <laughs> so ultimately, he uh, finds it in himself to telekinesis a crate into okay. Boba's helmet. So I interpreted this. Even I discussed this earlier today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, the way I looked at it was, so you see these, these panels of R2-D2, and he's looking at the box, yeah. and the box starts floating, right? Yeah. So I think R2-D2 picked that up with the Force and threw it at Jango Fett. Oh, that's like <laughs> <Down Jango Fett. laughs> important development for R2 oh. on his path to becoming the dark side nemesis of Skippy the Jedi droid. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I think you guys are totally missing this. Actually, during this part of the plot, Skippy is on Tatooine. You're right. It's canonically true. Canonically in this non-canon legends <laughs> one-off comic. Um, but yeah, Luke seems very much not aware. So either either he's unconscious, I mean, either it reads poorly and he did keep Boba Fett off of him with the lightsaber and uh, also throw the box at Boba Fett with the force, uh, which is Ill, Ill illustrated, which I don't think is the case because he says, what, what just happened after that crate hits yeah. Boba in the head? So I think more likely, well, that implies either that he did it on accident, which would be curious, or that it's implying that the spirit of Obi-Wan has is strong in this place and they acts as a poltergeist, which I think is yeah. The more likely candidate, but the one with the weirder implications. I do think Poltergeist Obi-Wan is really funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's just sitting there and he's about my house. Get the hell out of my place. <laughs> Church chucking his shit at him. I think, well, because it's also established that um, when Darth Vader yeets the lightsaber from Luke in their fight on Simon, Luke didn't know you could use the force to do telekinesis. Hmm. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, I think he taps that into his connection with the Force, Luke does. Huh. And incidentally, because he needs it to survive, is able to use telekinesis to bonk Boba in the head with the box. But he doesn't know that he can do that. He didn't know. Ooh, that's okay. my interpretation. That's cool. Okay. Maybe. It, it's it's, it's got to be one of the two, right? I'm down with either Probably. of these. Uh, I think I think both of these are 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 well, you're right. It is it is ambiguous. no no. Actually, I lean towards you now. Reading this again, R two is yeah. this the box we found? How did I? I oh. know the keyword there. Yeah, right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So maybe he did ac- uh, accidentally, intuitively uh, find the the force heavy. This thing's got to be covered in midi chlorines. It's got his name written on it by an ancient Jedi. Ancient Jedi. He's like 80 years old in the span of 40 years. He, he can be ancient. <laughs> <laughs> the aging General uh, Kenobi. <laughs> oh, no. We'll figure it out some other time. He says, I still can't see. Lead me out of here, buddy. And they make their way out. Pretty cool. Meanwhile, uh, back at the Monswin Nebula, uh, <laughs> Leia immediately uh, jumps, his wine the, right back at him. jumps the wine out onto, onto Han. Your clumsy attempt at seduction. Your cheap, cheap <laughs> attempt at seduction. seduction. <laughs> what do you say? I'd rather, I'd sooner seduce a gun dark, is what he says. Wow. <laughs> yep. They're so funny. And <laughs> the Sala ship comes down, fires a shot at them, and lands. Sana. Sala was a character Sana. from Dark I Empire. Oh, you're I so mean, right. Yeah, same mistake. Yep. Lol. I think I probably picked it up from Gabe Sane. It's it. a different black woman in comics who has a history with Han. I thought it was a, the same character for a second. I was like, oh, cool. We brought her back to canon. Uh, but a, oh, that could be cool. Uh, but instead, it's like a character with an incredibly similar name. My idea is that, or my thought is that it's the same idea. It, they, they, yeah. they, they knew that there was a previous character who filled that spot, yeah. and they wanted to do that, but they, for some reason, didn't just... It could have just been a character with the same same name, and that had been fine. I think that would have been fine. But they didn't do that. Yeah. So whatever. Oh, for um, what it's worth, I really like Sana. We're um, going to be seeing a lot more yeah, of her. I will... Just I will give my deepest apologies. Uh, it is Black History Month. I will be better. Yeah, you better be better. <laughs> oh, well, actually, we should probably talk about how the fact that she is his ex-wife. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, the, 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 the reveal is that she says that Han is her her wife. She, announces, she, she introduces herself as Sana Solo. This is... I don't know. It's yeah. like a comic thing where you like go for the maximum Reveal, yeah. shock value, but it it's kind of. I, I think she's mostly doing sure. this to fuck okay. with Leia. Yeah. Well, also fuck with Han because she. Yeah. I mean, your immediate assumption: Han's a scoundrel. He's here on the Serene Planet at his wine cave with <laughs> a <lady>. wine cave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think. I think uh, maximum shock value would be the thing here. I mean, I'm not sure her motivations, but. Uh, I imagine messing with Han is in most people's yeah. motivations. Oh no, was like that's true. <laughs> he slaps his head. I <laughs> love the uh, sort of hatching texture on Sana's cloak slash yeah. scarf. It's pretty. I, I'm not sure. I'm still not sure what this piece <laughs> of clothing is supposed to be. I've seen her in dozens of issues of Star Wars comics. I, I'm not quite sure what this piece of clothing is, but it's so cool. It's it's, it's, it's a sneed. You can use it for anything. Her, her green sort of shawl cloak thing. Um, and <laughs> yeah. they love the texturing on it. But they just kind of like yeah. put like a, a texture on it. They kind of reorient it. <laughs> different bone? parts of it. And it's just like, a, I don't know, I like that sort of old school effect of just putting like a, a, a texture. Yeah. Kind of like a, I don't know, paste filling it with that texture. 
Also, also, Sana's rifle is like the hugest fucking yeah. caliber thing. Yes. Oh my god, it's got an enormous barrel. But uh, there's a lot of Star Wars yeah. guns, since a lot of Star Wars guns are designed off of like World War yeah. uh, Two and One uh, weapons, and there's some like muzzle breaks essentially on older, like yeah. especially like World War One era guns that are like just a big opening, and it doesn't really like do anything it's effectively like not having barrel there but that's that motif get, gets used a lot in star wars guns because we're just adding yeah. bits to old guns so so the the caliber might be significantly smaller and i mean that's it's a laser caliber anyway so it's laser thing, caliber <laughs> it's it whatever she's got is like revolver too it's got uh it looks like a like a 40 millimeter la grenade launcher almost but with smaller cylinders it's established that she's a, a, a yeah. dangerous <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I don't want to get shot with it either way. So we're kind of wrap up the arc. Luke is looking through the box and finds the journal of Ben Kenobi. You could write a whole television <laughs> show about that. And we will. Boba Fett has to report back to Darth Vader that he lost Luke, but that he brought back one piece of information, and that is the name Skywalker. And then uh, after some silence from Vader, Boba says, well, we're done then. And just walks off. And yeah. Darth Vader gets real pissed and uh, destroys the glass pane of his, I guess, room or whatever the hell he's in. Observation deck. Yeah, it's like crackling. Yeah, very cool. I love this ending to this. I think I felt that the strongest thing in these last three, I guess uh, all six of these issues, is the portrayal of the villains Boba Fett, Jabba, Darth Vader, uh, Saw Saw Na, um, Saw. Wait, was it? Is it a D? S A N A. I immediately forgotten. Saw Na. Oh no, I you are incapable of remembering her name. Star Wars. They got they got up here in a second piece of media for me to for it to be worth. There's too many Star Wars characters. Yeah, there we go. So so Saw Na. Oh, that's that's Saw I know her. Yes, <laughs> she uh she doesn't do a ton, but she's still like definitely very ominous. And Boba Fett, like no one except for Luke, has survived a meeting with Boba Fett so far. Yeah, and no one except for Luke has survived face to face meeting with Darth Vader so far here. Right, and we see the two of them uh, come up to each other, and not only is Darth Vader, you know, the negotiator once again in this situation, someone's failed him, and he won't do anything to Boba Fett. So that like you know, tells you just how much Boba Fett is, I don't know, maybe not scary to Darth Vader, but, but Darth Vader isn't even going to mess with maybe Boba respected. Fett here. Yeah, and Boba Fett, you know, he, he gets to uh, get out of here. And he, oh, he gets to tell Darth Vader that we're done here. That one is crazy after seeing yeah. Darth Vader in negotiation so much. And, you know, I'd say even this, this is such an anger, it may even broach into that hate territory. <laughs> yeah right i think it's really really interesting choice to make the discovery vader discovering that that luke's his son essentially yeah as the the end of this very first arc i think it's really cool i think it's great i mean this yeah, is cool this is a a portion of like specifically these last three pages show up on reddit all the time yeah Oh, uh, I bet. It's just like, a, oh, this is so cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, here's a really interesting thing that I'm not now putting together. Uh, what I said was my favorite panel in issue two 
with Darth Vader, or is it issue three, saying that he was going to uh, bring Luke to the dark side and use his power. And he's framed by that destroyed TIE fighter frame, or windshield. Here in this final panel where he has cracked the glass, this is actually the same pattern as the TIE fighter windshield that it's cracked into the shape of. Oh, wow. Mm. Do you see that? Yeah. Uh, So once again, oh, yes, that's probably closer to what's really important. I guess that's that's the more important thing about the TIE fighter uh, being like that. Yeah, so it's Imperial symbol. That's what the the connection is. So we also frame on the cover of this final issue, Luke Skywalker Mm. in night vision scope. He is framed once again in that eight-pointed circle on sure. the cover of issue six. So we we bookend this issue with that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's a nice oh, yeah. touch. I'm curious how much more we frame Darth Vader with the Imperial logo. This is actually this is probably just got to be a um a, a continual motif uh, with this because actually I was thinking about this with the cover of five. It's close to that as well because it has that Tie Fighter yeah. um, bearing down and shooting out a lot of lasers in that radial pattern. Yeah, I want to say that like between days. the window, like between the cockpit designs, like the Millennium Falcon has that going on as well. The Tie Fighter, yeah, that's true. the Emperor's Throne Room. You know, it's just sort of a recurring Star Wars design motif. Yeah, you're right. Which isn't, to, I mean, like I'm not dismissing what you're saying. Like, yeah, yeah, like, but no, for um, sure. But I think it is definitely an iconic piece of design for Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. For whatever reason, that's just something that cropped up a bunch. Well, I mean, I think overall, I really liked it. It was fun. Yeah, solid yeah. arc. And it was pretty pretty easy reading. I think, to me, it was probably the easiest reading out of anything we've read so far. Yeah, yeah it might be just less text overall. Because yeah. it felt like it went so much faster, and it's just like the same length. Yeah, I think um, something that, that took me two hours last time, it took me like an hour this time is what it felt like, like. dark empire is kind of dense yeah. in terms of the amount of world building it's introduced oh, for sure whereas yeah, sure. with this 2015 star wars series it's leaping off immediately from a new hope and it's a lot of stuff you're going to recognize it's mostly stuff it's slotting right in yeah. where we left off and it's really hitting that feeling really well yeah i feel like there's a difference in intention too right dark empire is a six issue here's the story we're doing rather than a serial that's right true. that's true and it's just you'll end up with different styles right so technically we'd call that a mini series if it's going to sure. be like yeah uh, a limited number of issues for that and yeah then wrapping up whereas an, an ongoing series in comics is you know at least 10 issues usually yeah and you probably just want to work hard to get that you know done right like like yeah. you're doing a lot more to to write in story in in straight text because you can show less you just have less panels to show. You're like trying to cram in a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I felt, I felt like a lot of the characterizations, they slotted in really well. And all of the additions felt felt very good. They felt within character and, and whatnot. Yeah, the characterizations are so key. All of the main characters have motivation and they all feel like they're building off of the character that we knew from A New Hope. Yeah. I agree. Definitely a standout for me as well. Um, Luke's unsure of himself not sure of his destiny um vader's just trying to track down information uh leia is trying to strike back at the empire and using all everything at her disposal and um i like the sort of dynamic with her and her uh her strike team yeah <laughs> yeah and then han is you know he's trying to get away from the rebels but it, is he really yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's mixed he doesn't know what he wants he doesn't know what he wants but you know what you want. You want to tune in to the next episode of Art Troopers Unite. 
<laughs> where we'll be covering, uh, we'll be heading back to the 1977 Marvel series and covering Han and Chewbacca's first adventure after leaving the dungeon. Oh, wow. You've been listening to Arc Troopers Unite. Our main theme, Doom Troopers Unite, and our interstitial theme, Yesterday, were composed by Nathan and Owen Lamont for the computer game Ares.